Pfizer and BioNTech's COVID vaccine was approved in the UK for emergency use. A Real Housewives husband has been accused of embezzling cash from plane crash victims. And we're joined by Jessica Testa to discuss the new Oxygen and BuzzFeed true crime special, The Case Died With Her. The date, December 2nd, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. Casey, have you done your Spotify wrapped list yet? I have not done that. I saw it in an email in my inbox. I did not <laughs> click on it. Oh, how could you wait to do it? It's such a fun time of year to realize my, what you listen to all year. My music listening is so inconsistent. It's not all on Spotify. It's like YouTube videos and it's all over the place. I Do you know what I actually listen to a lot because I'm bougie and pay for cable TV? I listen to like the music channels up in like the like 900 You're channel kidding. numbers. Those exist I'm not. still? I'm not. So when I'm cleaning, I like to listen to the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> this honestly tracks. I do believe this. I see this for you. I support you in your personal okay. journey. But I know you looked at your Spotify, so please tell me about it. 100% I posted it on social media. I've been talking about it. <laughs> and the reason why I posted it is because every year within gay social media, gay Twitter, there's a joke that like Spotify outs you as gay because oh, everyone listens yeah, to like yeah, yeah. Ariana Grande or Lady Gaga this, or Dua Lipa. And this year, the, the big gay pop star for everyone was Dua Lipa, who was not in my top five. So I, America, am not gay. That's what Spotify oh told goodness. me. Yeah. Um, it's wild. Wow, this is a this is a big day. <laughs> it's a huge day. My whole life is a lie. I don't like men. Weird, 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 weird. But it was really cool. The one exciting thing I will say about my list is that I discovered 843 new artists according to Spotify, which I'm excited about. very cool. 843 people I've listened to. That's actually a shocking number. It's a huge number. And my my most listened to songs were bands I didn't even realize I I didn't even know their names. So moral of the story is I listen to new things and I am not gay. So there we go. Send me your new (laughs) stuff, everyone. (laughs) Okay, Zach, it's time for today's top stories. What have you got for us? All right. Former President Barack Obama has some feelings on a few things. The first is that he didn't give Dolly Parton a Medal of Freedom while he was president and that he talked to Joe Biden about making it happen. Who can argue with that? But the second thing he has feelings on are slogans. In particular, he pushed back on the slogan, defund the police, to try and move criminal justice reform forward. This is what he had to say to Peter Hamby on Good Luck America. It's no different in terms of ideas. If you believe, as, as I do, that we should be able to reform the criminal justice system so that it's not biased and treats everybody fairly, I guess you can use a snappy slogan like, defund the police, but you know you've lost a big audience the minute you say it, which makes it a lot less likely that you're actually going to get the changes you want done. Meanwhile, we've been talking for weeks about which COVID vaccine could hit the market first, and it appears we have a winner. The Pfizer and BioNTech vaccine was approved for emergency use in Britain today, and people can start receiving it as early as next week. Prime Minister Boris Johnson clarified that while this is great news, everyone still needs to proceed with caution. It is very important at this stage for us all to recognize that this is unquestionably good news. It's very, very good news. But it is by no means the end of the story. It is not the end of our national uh, struggle against, uh, against coronavirus. And that is why it's very important that the package of, uh, of moderate but tough measures that uh, the House voted for last night, the tiering system, is followed across the country because that's how we will continue uh, to beat the virus. 
That tiering system he mentioned decides which people receive the vaccine first. And that first tier includes residents of nursing homes and their caregivers. So not us, Casey, not us. <laughs> <laughs> not us. No, we'll wait. We'll wait till the spring or summer. And, you know, I was reading like the vaccines aren't 100 percent effective, and but the vaccine will greatly, greatly help the world. But it is like so when they say proceed with caution after the vaccine, I'm going to continue to wear face masks in grocery stores. 100 percent. That is just like a cultural way of like being that like I think is good for my life and I'm sure for many other people because I've talked about this uh, knock on wood it's December I haven't been sick this year oh. I usually get sick three to four times a year oh my god yeah so definitely wear that mask because we don't need you getting a cold <laughs> or anything no I know I have a very weak immune system so I'm just like I'm always getting a head cold and wearing this face mask has protected me from other people's germs. I mean, and also face masks are chic. I'm sorry. I think they're really <laughs> chic. I think people look good in them. I think certain people look even better in them. No tea <laughs> shade. So I support keeping them going. But what I don't support is President Obama's statements on defund the police. I just don't agree. I don't agree. I've covered the police for my whole career. That's how I began as a reporter. was covering police brutality. And what defund the police does for us all and has done is makes us imagine what a world looks like for us if we didn't have the police. And I think when you answer that question for yourself, you know your own relationship to power and policing in America. And that's where you should begin to have hard conversations about, yeah, I mean, I want the police because they, they take care of me. Well, that says a lot about your circumstance versus people who look a lot like me in certain communities that were like, no, I don't want these police around because they only bring harm. So President Obama, like, I admire you, I respect you, but this is not a productive thing to be, you know, trashing what I think is effective messaging that made us all have a conversation. We're having it again today. And on all my years of reporting on police, we haven't talked about it this for this long, as long as we have. I also think I saw this tweet yesterday that really is how I feel and I've been trying to express it, but um, it was something along the lines of, and this is, you know, uh, a blanket statement that, you know, probably isn't true for everyone, but the statement is um, Republicans don't care about what Democrats think, but Democrats care what Republicans think. And that's what I think this messaging, when the, when politicians are afraid to say defund the police, they're catering to Republicans. Yes. And it's just like, that isn't progress there. And it's, and it's also an unfair situation because they don't care. And again, they is, I'm using that as, you know, some do, but many don't. Yeah. Yep. I think a, a great way for everyone to think about this, if you are struggling with, you know, your support around this messaging, if you're a Democrat, all this stuff is that your ex-boyfriend, the Republicans, aren't coming back to you. They don't love you, girl. Move on. Find someone new. Stop trying to cater to everything you want. <laughs> this like obsession <laughs> with like letting people who like don't agree with you try to switch their minds all the time. I don't know. Sometimes it's not as productive as people think it is. And I think this is a situation where, you know, it may not be. So move on. All right. Well, Casey, what do you have going on in the world of pop culture and entertainment? Okay. Well, I have a story that just makes you go, really? <laughs> Los Angeles officials are taking a lot of heat after agreeing to shut down a popular COVID testing site to allow the reboot of She's All That to film scenes at Union Station. Apparently, more than 500 people were told Monday that their tests had to be rescheduled to make room for the Addison Rae-led production. Thankfully, the city reversed the decision after L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti intervened. The shoot went ahead as scheduled. They just worked around the testing. Um, and I honestly don't understand why that wasn't the original plan. And I also feel like I need to point this out, that the title of the reboot is the oh-so-creative, he's all that. <laughs> <laughs> this is a failure on every, every level. 
for people out there listening who do not uh, live in Los Angeles, like Casey and I do, uh, Casey, you know, you know this Union Square testing or Union Station testing is one of the most popular places to get tested in the entire L.A. County area. So why would people want to shut this down, especially for a reboot? Yeah, the only time, like, the one I go to is Dodger Stadium, which is a very big one. The only time that got shut down was for voting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, we as Angelinos need access to these because, you know, we we have experienced personally that, like, you can get turnaround in these tests really fast in L.A. County. And it's wonderful, and the system has been built out. But to take out one of the bigger clogs in the system to do she's all that, a.k.a. he's all that, a.k.a. what the hell are you all doing down there? It's just not, I don't, I don't understand. What is 2020? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving on. I have one hell of a housewife story for you. As we know, in a shocking turn of events, Beverly Hills housewife Erica Jane filed for divorce from her husband of 21 years, Tom Girardi, just last month. Now, here's an even crazier twist for you. According to a new lawsuit, the whole divorce is allegedly a sham meant to cover up the fact that the couple embezzled a lot of money, money that was supposed to go to victims of a plane crash. The class action lawsuit was filed Wednesday morning in federal court on behalf of family members of the victims of the Lion Air Flight 610 crash. The crash happened off the coast of Indonesia in 2018 and was tied to the Boeing 737 MAX malfunctions. Girardi's law firm was litigating payouts in the case. The lawsuit claims the couple began embezzling money to fund Jane's lavish lifestyle, specifically citing her claims that she spends 40 grand a month on glam alone, and that last month's divorce filing is just an attempt to shield the couple's money from people looking to collect on debts of Girardi. The couple does not have a prenup. That got really dark. I did not see that coming. I did not see I'm that sorry coming. For, I'm sorry for how dark that got. This, this really, I woke up to this this morning and it was just such a wild story. And Zach, I just do need to say from a personal place, and by me saying personal, I mean I watched the franchise. <laughs> my, my group chat the day, like weeks or months ago, time doesn't exist, so I'm not sure when it was, when Erica Jade announced that she was getting a divorce from Girardi, we were all so confused why she was doing that, specifically because she does not have a prenup. And also, he's he's much older than she is. So it just doesn't, it didn't really make sense why she or him would be seeking this divorce after 21 years of marriages. It wasn't adding up. And we were like, this is so weird. What's going on? And now... <laughs> It does make more sense. This is dark. I don't even know how this covers. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what divorce law does and what protections. I know when you are married to someone, you cannot be pushed to testify against that person without your consent. I learned that from watching The Undoing with Nicole Kidman. Um, and I won't ruin that ending for everyone else. But this just doesn't make sense. But I, I love to see um, you know more divorce narratives being a part of uh, this week's culture. <laughs> I don't know. But what I do know is that no one needs $40,000 worth of glam in a pandemic, <laughs> ma'am. That is a lot of lot of hair, a lot of wigs, a lot, a lot of wigs. So I don't know. Anyway, when we come back, we're talking about the BuzzFeed and Oxygen True Crime Special, The Case Died With Her, with reporter Jessica Testa. Stay right there. it we're tired of hearing new year new you fat burning secrets and lose weight fast the only thing you need to lose is self-doubt the body you're in deserves respect love and support 
support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. This is Roxanne Gay, host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Now, what is the Roxanne Gay Agenda, you might ask? Well, it's a podcast where I'm going to speak my mind about what's on my mind, and that could be anything. Every week, I will be in conversation with an interesting person who has something to say. We're going to talk about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. I start each show with a recommendation. Really, I'm just going to share with you a movie or a book or maybe some music or a comedy set, something that I really want you to be aware of and maybe engage with as well. Listen to the Luminary Original Podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, The Bad Feminist Podcast of Your Dreams, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm Minnie Driver, and on my podcast, Mini Questions, I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry, journalist and television host Jeremy Clarkson, editor-in-chief of InStar magazine Laura Brown, and creative juggernaut Goldie. Join me as we continue this exploration on season two of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey, everyone. Before moving forward, we just wanted to add a trigger warning for our upcoming interview, which discusses sexual assault and abuse. Listener discretion is advised. And if you want to skip this interview, please jump ahead. Welcome back. Right now, we are talking about what is a mind-boggling true crime case. A young woman says she was groomed and abused by her high school coach. Years later, after climbing out of a spiral of addiction and depression, she's able to catch her abuser on tape giving a detailed confession. Should be an open and shut case, right? Not so much. That's where things take an even sadder, darker turn. Emily Morris's story is being told in a two-hour special on the Oxygen Network titled The Case Died With Her. Co-produced by BuzzFeed Studios, the special is based on an article written by then-BuzzFeed news reporter Jessica Testa. She joins us now to talk about it. Good afternoon. Hi, Casey and Zach. Hello. So the title of the special, The Case Died With Her, really tells us what is at the heart of the story. This young woman, Emily Morris, delivers to police a tape of her abuser admitting guilt. She passes away under kind of suspicious circumstances. And officers tell her parents at the funeral that they are dropping the case. How did they justify that? Well, the the, the reason that the police gave the parents and, and the sister, Andrea Morris, for not pursuing Emily's case was that uh, because she wasn't alive to testify anymore, the prosecution couldn't go forward. Um, And the prosecutors, when we spoke to them, both for the documentary and the story, they backed that up. Um, They felt like they, they needed more evidence than just Emily's testimony. Wow. And what was on this confessional tape? It was over an hour of Emily and her coach, Jim Wilder, talking in a mall parking lot this kind of stuff, if we were the same age, would have been no problem. But now I had no idea. I felt like a flustery little kid. 
and she had like slipped this recorder that the police gave her like into her sports bra and gotten into his car and, and had this sort of long conversation. It, it was meant to sort of, you know, she asked him if, uh, if they could just sort of revisit their past. Cause I did not know what to do. And I wasn't even, and then I was even beyond the, I'm the coach. I was, I turned into flustery little kid. Like I can't lose this, but I can't do that, but I can, but it, what, <sighs> you know, like, like a shy guy would, but I wasn't, I'm not a shy guy. She, she was seeing a new therapist and she wanted to find a way to come to peace with what happened to them. And, and so that's how she initiated this conversation. And throughout the conversation, they discussed sort of specific uh, days, specific uh, scenarios where they were together sexually, including the very first one, which happened um, during a, a practice. It was like a capture the flag practice with the uh, cross country team. And Emily had not brought her uniform that day. And so she was not kind of on the sidelines. And while on the sidelines, she and the coach struck up this conversation that eventually led to him touching her inappropriately. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And what do we know about the circumstances of like the death itself? Not a lot, actually. So November 2nd was the last day that anybody had ever heard from Emily. And her father had been calling her, trying to get a hold of her. After a few days, he went to her apartment and he found her on the floor of her bedroom, passed out with her head sort of in a, in a trash can. There was vomit on her body. She was covered in a blanket. And he, you know, tried to rouse her and she was not responsive pretty immediately. And the thing about the death, though, is that, you know, the police came, there was an autopsy and they determined that the the cause of death was uh, asphyxiation from the plastic bag inside the trash, lining the trash can. Uh, But the manner of death was undetermined, which manner of death is usually when they say homicide, suicide, accident. But there was just nothing. It's essentially blank. Wow. So you've been working on this story since 2018. That's when your article on Jessica's story was published. How did you hear about her story? What drew you to it? Andrea Lawrence actually wrote into a BuzzFeed tip line uh, with her sister's story. And, and that's how it came to us. And this was not long after I think we started using the tip line. So she had just been trying to get local media, anybody to pay attention to the story. And they, they really hadn't. So let's talk about the special itself. You were involved in its production, spending weeks on the ground in St. Louis. So going into this, what answers were you hoping to get? We, I I think what I was hoping was really to hear directly from the prosecutor's office. You know, I was able for the article to speak to a prosecutor who was involved in the case, but it was just still so confusing to me. And I think to a lot of people who aren't like, well-versed in like legal nuances, like why the case couldn't go forward. They had this tape, they had this audio that appeared or or seemed to be confessional. Like, why couldn't they use this? Why did the case have to have to die? What's interesting is that a new prosecutor had been elected since Emily's case. When Emily died, the prosecutor was um, named Bob McCullough, and he was the same prosecutor who, who ran the prosecution of the Ferguson police officers. And so he was actually voted out largely because of that, of his handling of that case. And he was replaced by somebody who was very active in the Ferguson protests. Um, His name is Wesley Bell. And so we were able to sit down with Wesley Bell and really kind of talk this out and ask them what they needed to go forward with the case. 
Gotcha, gotcha. So watching the trailer, it feels like Emily's mother and sister are keeping this case alive just by sheer force of will, which you kind of mentioned with, you know, Emily's sister reaching out through the tip hotline. So is that still the case today, you know, after production has wrapped? For sure. That that family has been fighting so hard. I, I think after the BuzzFeed story came out, they were able to do a little bit more press. They were able to meet with a few lawyers. But really, like in terms of the legal case, they haven't been able to make any progress. It's really just been about getting public awareness and maybe putting public pressure onto people involved in this in the story, whether it be the prosecution's office or whether it just be, you know, the state's education system, this teacher who allegedly abused Emily was allowed to keep his his teaching's license. And he lost his job from the school eventually after Emily died. And all of this came to light, but he was allowed to keep his license. And, and that's been a sore subject for the family ever since. So you mentioned, but after working on this special, do you feel like we'll feel a sense of resolution or is there still more work to be done? I think there's still more work to be done on this case. One thing we were able to uncover with the documentary that was not in the article was um, there was another victim who had come forward to police years after Emily came forward, but while Emily was still alive. And this case didn't go anywhere. The prosecutor's office decided not to file charges But for the first time ever, we were able to actually hear her story through police records um, and and see what she had to say. And I think that that was kind of a breakthrough for all of us, because for the longest time, it had only been Emily, Emily's voice. Mm. Mm. In your original piece, you mentioned the idea of mandatory reporters or people who must report suspected abusive activity to authorities. Those rules have gotten stricter in recent years thanks to more high-profile cases like those of Jerry Sandusky and Larry Nassar. But do you think those updated rules really solve the problems that Emily faced? I think that they certainly help. I think that that now there's a lot, you know, those those mandatory reporting laws, they did exist when Emily was being allegedly abused. But the problem was there was no enforcement. And I think now with awareness, there's a little bit more enforcement. There's a little bit more awareness. There's more training And also, I think now we have more awareness of childhood abuse, of child trauma, you know, not only because of the Me Too movement, but because of cases like the Sandusky case, cases like uh, the Boy Scouts, cases like the Catholic Church. Like we, we understand childhood abuse a little bit more now. So I do think that if it had happened today, it might have ended differently. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today and talking us through your new special and congratulations on the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. The Case Dies With Her airs this Sunday at 7 p.m. on Oxygen. Okay, we have time for one more thing. Some of you might have heard the news that President-elect Joe Biden fractured his ankle playing with his dog, Major Biden. Well, Major had a response of his own from the first dog's Twitter account. As you'd expect, it's mostly barking on White House stationery, but the translation provided is truly the kicker here. It says, I'm sorry you hurt your ankle. Small fracture, so not so serious. I'm still good boy. (laughs) Oh my God, why is small spelled S-M-O-L? What is going on? (laughs) And and boy, B-O-I, which I do use all the time. I mean, that's Um, canonically queer. You spelling boy that way. I was going to say, I'm like, I use that in very gay terms. (laughs) But um, you know what this, because of the spelling, I mean, all that this is telling me is that they have a millennial working on their social media. That's what that tells me. (laughs) Casey, are you excited to return uh, to an era of dogs 
in the White House. People are very passionate about this. I remember the Obama dogs were a huge thing. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that Trump, for the past four years, didn't have a dog. I just kind of blanked. There was so he much did, happening. He didn't even have a cat. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, that just took me out. <laughs> <laughs> but Cats. I'm just saying, like, like, one dog, people pleaser. I'm a cat person, but, like, he didn't even have a cat. Like, I would understand, like, oh, he's not a dog person. Maybe he's a cat person. No, he's a no pet person, which I don't trust. No, not at all. What type of cat do you think Donald Trump should get now post-election? Oh, my God, what are those those white fluffy ones with a squash face? (gasps) The flat face ones? Yeah, that came to me instantly, so it has to be correct. (laughs) Do you know who else has a cat like that? Oh, no, who? Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) And you all can connect the dots there. I'm not saying anything. I'm just pointing out the truth. She loves flat face cats. It's what's famous about her cats. Moving on. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. Well, that's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we're talking with Mindy Kaling about her lockdown experience and how she's produced multiple new shows and movies and, you know, a baby too. And remember, if you need $40,000 a month for glam alone during a pandemic, maybe you need to reorganize your priorities. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. If dog people made dog food, it wouldn't be sold in a 50-pound bag in the hardware aisle by the shoe polish. It would actually be food. It would be made with real, fresh meat and veggies gently cooked to preserve their nutritional value. You know, like food. The Farmer's Dog was created by dog people who cook and deliver fresh, healthy food. Try the Farmer's Dog and get fresh, pre-portioned meals tailored to your dog's needs. Tell us about your dog, build your plan, and get 50% off at thefarmersdog.com slash listen. That's thefarmersdog.com slash listen. For my small bookstore to thrive, I can't just sell books. So I created a radio ad at iHeartAdBuilder.com to tell everyone about our author events, our story hours for kids, and our amazing lattes. Now we're busier than ever. I'd call that a success story. A custom radio ad from iHeartAdBuilder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com. When's the last time you took a time out? I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're peeling back the layers around why society makes it so easy to guard men's time like it's diamonds and treat women's time like it's infinite, like sand. And so whether you're partnered with or without children or in a career where you want more boundaries, this is a place for you, for people of all family structures. So take this time out with us to learn, get inspired, and most importantly, reclaim your time. Listen to Time Out, a Fair Play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.